Hey there, uh, John Kenobi here to tell you about audible.com. Audible.com is a great way to experience books if you don't have uh, the time to read them. Uh, what do they are? Are audiobooks, and we've got a special offer for you at Cinema 7. If you go to www.audibletrial.com backslash c7pod, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial today and get a free audiobook. Now, this can be anything they offer. It gives you one credit. It can be anything. That's yours. You will keep it after you lose the trial. Uh, you can use this to uh, read a book you, you know you might not have time to read or catch up with all the different Hollywood movies that are being made from books, uh, Annihilation, Ready Player One, etc., etc. Uh, our friend Mario uses it for various random audio dramas. If that's what you're into, give it a shot. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash C7pod. Discover what Audible has over 1 million audiobooks and dramas and all types of things. Just give them a shot. Uh, thanks. Hello and welcome to Cinema 7. I am your host today, Chris Hawk. To my left is my co-host, Mara Bakari. What to do, fam? And to my right is our guest host from Fireside Comics, Mr. Chris Poole. What's up, everybody? We are we are hyped today, y'all. This is uh we're talking we're doing a take two of one of my favorite movies of 2008 and just favorite movies in general. This today we're talking about Cloverfield. And we're talking about the Cloverfield universe. But first off, do you guys remember seeing this movie in the theaters? I do. Um, I think I think so. I think I saw it with you, maybe, Chris Hawk. I oh, think it's a great possibility. We saw it together, Mario. It's a great possibility. So this this movie was. I think this is one of the first movies that I actually went to on my own because I I finally really? got my car and like. 2000 at the end of senior year and I was able to do things on my own and I think this movie is like the catalyst of me be falling in love with movies like big time because I was able to go see them whenever I wanted I think this one was right. the, one of the first movies very nice man very I nice remember um, I just remember that like, this was definitely, I don't remember exactly how many found footage films, like, I can't name a whole huge amount that were coming out around the same time, but I definitely oh. know that they were big kind of back in the day. And this was, when I saw Cloverfield, it was like, I don't know if I can put my finger on exactly what makes a found footage film good for me, but I always thought Cloverfield was super cool. I loved how it was like sort of a God, like the Godzilla movie that I'd kind of wished had happened when we tried to make one with Matthew Broderick and all whoa, that Whoa, stuff. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Ferris Bueller is a great 
kaiju hunter, okay? Oh, yeah. He's the, All he needs is those high beams, right? <laughs> he's the worm guy. <laughs> he's the worm Good guy. Good jeez. Good yeah. I mean, when you have the professional in that movie, Jean Reno, my favorite French actor, uh, just, mm-hmm. you just can't go wrong in that movie. <laughs> I mean, but, it's definitely not the worst film ever, but let, let's just say, you know, I loved Cloverfield. <laughs> it was it was like the Godzilla movie that I was kind of always wanting and didn't even know I wanted. You bring up a good point about found, found footage movies, though, because I was I was as I was watching Cloverfield the other day, I was wondering to myself, you know, I feel like Cloverfield was like a landmark found footage movie in which after Cloverfield, there was a big, big decrease of found footage movies. Mm-hmm. The only ones I can remember off the top of my head would be like what the uh, Blair Witch reboot and the Devil Inside, which were both garbage. <laughs> well, I mean, Mario, you I feel, you remember the Devil Inside, Mario? I remember Devil Inside, but I, I feel like it uh, it actually spiked after that. Like the only thing, the only found footage movie I remember is the first Blair Witch, and then I don't remember anything after that. And then I remember seeing Cloverfield, and I, I feel like that was mm-hmm. like. When it came oh, back, we forgot about um, Paranormal Activity. You f- yes, was the there was those, one. and what was the other one? Chronicle. That dude. Oh. That I was gonna say that was that's one of my favorites as far as found footage. I love that movie. So maybe maybe Cloverfield started off the big bang of found footage movies, of quality found footage. Because honestly, rewatching this movie, this movie looks really good mm-hmm. from two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. I-, I was very surprised how well the found footage held up. How the the CGI holds up a little bit. The monster itself, it's it's not the best CGI monster, but you know, it's two thousand eight, right? But the movie itself, how it's filmed, it it looks good. Mm-hmm. Being found footage, even though you know sometimes found footage movies are purposely grainy, they're miscolored because they're on a camera, but right? This one, you could tell this had money behind it. How uh, you know other found footage movies don't have that type of profit. I mean, not profit, but they don't have that type of resources behind them. But, you know, this is J.J. Abrams we're talking about. Exactly. Which, that's another thing that I loved. Like, because one of the things I've always loved about J.J. Abrams, and he is, he's one of my favorite directors. I don't know if he's, like, in my top three or whatever, but I, I pretty much love all the stuff that he does. I'm actually one of the few fans of the show Lost. And... <laughs> uh, but like I thought it was really good, and he didn't even direct it, uh, if I remember correctly. He Correct. just—I uh, know that he produced it with Bad Robot, and um, probably I think came up with the story, maybe or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But um, one of the things I love about him is like the whole the whole mystery box uh, philosophy that he's got with everything that he does. Um, sometimes it's a little annoying, you know. Like with Lost, I can understand how people would hate everything about that show after you know so long, but. One of the things with these Cloverfield movies is the way that they don't really tell anybody anything about it. And then they start doing like this viral marketing thing. And they did that with Super 8. But I remember with 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield, it was just like, it was exciting because it was like fun because it's like you're, before the movie even comes out, you're like interacting with it, trying to, you know, almost piece together this mystery. So I always thought that was kind of cool too. Now, Mario, you thought J.J. directed it like many people do. And then when you find out it's your boy, Matt Reeves, <laughs> your boy. of uh, Planet of the Apes fame, it's your boy, mm-hmm. you, I bet you were like, oh, I, I mean, I bet you can see some of the similarities there and how Matt Reeves crafts a story and how he, you know, the, 
the direction of his cinematography. I, I can definitely feel some Planet of the Apes things, or I mean, some mm-hmm. Cloverfield things in the Planet of the Apes movies. Like the okay. tension, the scariness. Like there's, did you see some of that stuff in there? Uh, honestly, no. I, I <laughs> like for for some reason, I always thought J.J. Abrams directed it, and I I don't think I just I don't think I've ever looked it up or realized it was Matt Reeves until just now. Like when I finished it, <laughs> at the end it was like directed by Matt Reeves, and I was like, wait, what? You know? So <laughs> I was a little shocked by that. Maybe uh, s- certain camera shots I do notice. Like I know when they go down the subway and when they go up into the the building, he he tilts his camera. Maybe maybe there's some of that I can I can see relate. But other than that, I I, I didn't even know it was him. Honestly, this is not really a like a big landmark on Matt Reeves' cinematography career, but it should be because I think this this is a good monster movie oh yeah when we start when we start from the beginning of the movie i completely forgot that it was a uh it was found by the dod department of defense and in that screenshots from the beginning it shows that it's it was recorded on a date so it makes you think that this is this is from the past so the current timeline of the cloverfield universe we actually don't know because every movie is is like in a different timeline Mm-hmm. of of when it's happening. So this the Cloverfield incident in Manhattan and then 10 Cloverfield Lane, we don't honestly don't know how far apart they are. And I was going to ask when you mentioned the timeline, like do we know so we don't know like what what year or anything 10 well, Cloverfield we, Lane happened? Uh I can't remember I can't remember any dates specifically okay. in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mario, you you love that movie. Did you do you remember Actually, Any certain amount of I, dates. I actually have a whole theory about uh, Super Eight, and I, 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 I personally feel like because if you get a good look at the monster in Super Eight, and he, mm-hmm. he, he almost looks very similar to the monster in Cloverfield. Okay. So I feel like it's almost the same uh, monster. Personally, I feel like like they they kind of relate. And in Cloverfield Lane, she crashes and he captures her. So I feel like it's around the same time, like right where it's happening, or a little bit after Cloverfield. But I, I have a like I feel like uh, I don't know. I just I just feel like it all connects somehow. Like Super Eight, I feel like connects with Cloverfield. So when we talk about this movie, we should also talk about the viral marketing for this movie because the viral marketing during this time, this is like one of those. During those times where viral marketing became huge, like with right. Halo 2, I Love Bees, and then Slusho, and then for Cloverfield, when I think all of J.J. Abrams' movies are in the same universe, because Slusho is an alias, like the the drink. Okay. So okay. I'm thinking J.J. Is, has his own freaking cinematic universe like Tarantino does. Interesting. Just, just like his sci-fi, his sci-fi cinematic universe. And everything that JJ has made is before Cloverfield, and then everything now is after Cloverfield. The Force Awakens isn't, isn't you know, a long time ago, of course. But <laughs> okay, okay, far, you're, far you're away. going a little too far, like yeah. adding Star Wars to it. <laughs> you need to chill out, bro. What do you guys think about the monster itself in the Cloverfield? In Cloverfield, um. Well, for, I guess first I should say one of the things that I liked about that movie was that you don't even really see the monster 
like in full shot for quite a while and you just get like these little glimpses of it going past buildings and um obviously that goes kind of hand in hand with the found footage style of the film you're not going to have the monster walking around with a camera or anything but um i thought that was really cool but i remember when you see the whole monster for the first time it was pretty scary it was pretty you know menacing and all that stuff but the first thought that i had if i'm being honest was what the hell is going on with those legs they're bent in such a weird way like what's happening right now and i just kind of took my focus for a second but you know that's obviously just a really weird, random nitpick of a thought. But I thought the monster was pretty good. Yeah, his, his feet are, like, backwards, too, or something. Yeah, something real weird. It, it's like an ape and a bat. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it has, like, the broad shoulders of an ape. Mm-hmm. You know, it has the tail. But then its face. It has, like, the breathing sacs on its face. But it looks like a bat because of, mm-hmm. of a bat's cheeks. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I can see I, that. I mean, I, I'm glad... That it's not just a bipedal monster that walks on two legs or you know, Godzilla or King mm-hmm. Kong. This is a very creative monster. I mean, it's yeah. not the it's definitely not the most, you know, aesthetically pleasing monster. It's it really is ugly. Yes. Uh, but it's definitely scary. The mm-hmm. parts in the movie where you see it, it's definitely scary. And what did you think about how um, when they're in the subway and uh, it's super dark and everything uh, and they start getting attacked by the little ones and you oh, come to find out that those are literally just falling off of the big one. Dude, it's, it's incredible. That's like a... I really like when they're in the subway. Like uh, That's one of the my favorite parts of the movie is when they get down into the subway and, and they're uh, in there for a little bit. I, I actually really enjoy that part. Yeah, th- this movie makes you feel in the personal space of the characters because mm-hmm. you're you're kind of basically running with them because of the found footage, but those those little buggers, I, I forget what they're called. I think they have a name. Buggers works for me. Buggers, but they're <laughs> they are. I think they are the scariest part because you know when you when you get to the monster, you just, you're either gonna get squished or eaten. I mean, there's yeah, that's it. But with this thing, I <laughs> you get bit. You know, you that's probably one of the worst deaths. I yeah. think. The grossest deaths, I think, in any movie is exploding from the inside. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really nuts. Like, just the idea that these little things can get anywhere that the monster might not be able to. And then, on top of that, they can infect you with something that's just going to literally cause you to explode. That's just, <laughs> that was a super scary thought. <laughs> that's It's just... She, 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 Marlena goes from having a really cool spot where she saves HUD, really heroic gruesome battle wound but you know mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a scar it's a hero scar mm-hmm. chicks dig hero scars even on other chicks and then she goes and blows up like <laughs> unbelievable yeah I, did, I, I didn't see it coming i didn't think she was gonna blow up i thought i just thought you know we're never gonna see her again because now she's she's bleeding everywhere right just, right and boom just here you go the the movie moves a lot faster than i thought it did uh, rewatching it, like, cause she gets bit, and then they get to that, they get through the rest of the sewer, and they get to that. Well, they stop for a little bit in that one area, and then they get to the uh, convenience store like thing, and all the uh, right. military is there, and then hardly like into the like halfway through their conversation, you know, he's like, I need to get to my girlfriend or whatever, and and she's just like, I don't feel well, guys, and then boom, she's like. She's gone. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Just blood. Just blood gushing. Gushing. Yeah. 
It's like a reverse Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka. You know, it's the lethal oh version. God. I think I think one of my uh, favorite parts, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like it feels kind of real, especially post like 9-11 is the uh, like when it first starts happening, they see the explosion and yeah, um, you know, when they when they go out into the street and the uh, Statue of Liberty head flies past them and hit, like hits the building, flies into the street, they kind of zoom in on it and you see the uh, there's some really good detail on the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty head, mm-hmm. like how it's her face is kind of uh, worn and battered and stuff. Yeah, or like just, the actual just when they, head they itself. the ca- the camera zooms in on it a little bit, like when it, when it flies and stuff, it's kind of noticeable now that it's CGI because we've had so many CGI things now. We kind I think you can kind of <laughs> notice it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when it is when when it lands and it's sitting there and and. Uh, T.J. Miller's character zooms in on it with the camera. It, it, you can see the detail of the scars and and uh, the dirt and stuff. It just it looks really uh, good. Yeah, it does fall a part, little bit slow. It does fall a little bit slow, like the head itself. I think that's like the only complaint I have about the CGI in this movie is that that head falls kind of slow when it's coming down. You know what I'm talking about? You're talking when about kind of like uh like the. The helicarriers and Winter Soldier and how it took them like ten years to fall out of the sky or whatever. Hey man, anti grav uh, <laughs> anti grav shit from uh, Tony Stark, man. That, that no, stuff no, lasts. No, no. That stuff lasts. <laughs> okay, it's a damn comic book. <laughs> no, yeah, I get what you're saying though. I can I can I can understand that. What were you gonna say, Mario? I was just gonna say, like, I, I like that whole part and it, it it's really like uh there's a lot of realism there, I feel like. It feels realistic mm-hmm. how people react. Uh, especially when the people are taking the like the pictures, you see their old like cell phones and stuff with the flash on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody uses the flash anymore on their cell phones. It, it kind of relates to society still, because you know people right. would be like, "Oh my god, let me get my phone out, Snapchat this or whatever." But yeah, right. So it kind of relates Mar- to society that way. But it, it's just, I don't know. The whole part just seems so realistic to me. Mario, what is your? Is that your favorite scene in the movie? Uh yeah, probably when it's when it starts and they go to the explosion, they run or the lights go out, they run up to the the roof, you know, they they see the explosion, they run down in the street and uh every my favorite part would probably be from, you know, the point where the lights go out to the uh the bridge when the brother dies. That's that's probably like my whole favorite part of the whole movie. Like Holy my, first number 1, number 1 and number 2 is subway. Chris, you got a favorite scene? Uh man, I I think the subway has got to be one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Probably is my favorite. It's just real good. Like just that whole, like you said, putting you in the space that the characters are in and really feeling that claustrophobic uh, nature of the tunnel. And like then on top of being in a an atmosphere that's just absolutely terrifying because you're underneath wherever this giant monster could walk. Then just being introduced to the little horrors of the buggers. You know, uh uh-uh. uh, nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> I think my favorite part is when um, they go save Beth and Beth Beth is like tore up. She got mm-hmm. rebar, rebar in her chest. That's I can't deal with that. That's just a whole nother thing. I don't know how she's dealing with that. Right. That, that's some that's some stuff. That's some heavy stuff. But when she when she when they free her, they get her up and she finally sees the monster. I think the funniest line in the movie comes from TJ Miller. She goes, what is that thing? And 
he, the monster screams and then TJ he like he says it nonchalantly. He goes, "It's a terrible thing." And I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> oh, that's I couldn't true. stop I laughing that. at that part. And then they meet the little buggers. <laughs> they find the little buggers and she goes, "What is that thing?" And he goes, "That's also a terrible thing." TJ <laughs> Miller does he does pretty he does shine in this uh in this movie. Even though you don't see him for 98% of it. That's true. And I, I don't even know if I knew exactly who TJ Miller was when this came out. Yeah, I don't and think so um, I just remember thinking, man, they get, whoever's behind this camera is just hilarious and is working perfect in this film. And uh, yeah, I'd like Then I come to find out, you know, I remember watching Deadpool and um, it was actually right before we did an episode on it. Austin and I went to go see it and we get out of the movie and I was like, do you know he was the camera guy in Cloverfield? And he's like, what? He's <laughs> like, true fact, bro. <laughs> so Hawk, do, you, do you want to talk about characters yeah let's go ahead and talk about characters uh they're pretty they're pretty i i can relate to these characters that's the good thing because this movie's personable they make you and makes you live with them and makes mm-hmm. you breathe with them because the whole found footage you know it's it's kind of cheating in a way but it works and you get you get some survivor's guilt you know, in Survivor Fight or Flight in this movie where, you know, the dumb thing is to go save Beth. But the true heart thing is to go save Beth. Right. Still super dumb. That's the the body does what the body wants. And <laughs> let's talk about Rob and Rob's character. Which one's Rob? One of Mario. Rob's the main character. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mario's friend Scott Die, apparently. Almost, yeah. I it's guess, like almost um, a spitting image of him. He just uh, Scott Dye's face looks like it got punched in a little bit more. Uh, sorry, Scott Dye, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Jeez, got in a fight with the clover. But oh my god, I, I'm surprised that this guy hasn't seen more work because I thought he did great. Nothing Academy worthy, but he was very believable mm-hmm. as as the hero of the movie. You know, if you could call them heroes, right, right. I could agree with that. I w- this is actually something, uh, one of the reasons that, I don't want to sidetrack too much on this, but um, speaking on the characters, uh, I, I kind of feel like they all did a really good job with the roles they were given. And that's one of the other things that I love about J.J. Abrams is it's like almost every time he comes out with a new movie, it's got all these stars that I personally usually have never heard of. And they usually all turn out to be really good choices for the roles. And... I don't know what his involvement as far as choosing the cast was for Cloverfield, but I would agree with everything that you said about the main character. And like I said, I think that kind of goes for most of the people that were in the film anyway. Yeah, he's really good at picking uh, actors, especially uh, not very well-known actors, like you said. He, I, I, mm-hmm. Like, I never heard of like any of these people before a J.J. Uh, J. J. Abrams movie. And then, right. and then I feel like a lot of them explode, like, uh, what's her name? from Lost that's in that's the Wasp now. Oh uh yeah, Evangeline Lilly. Yeah, she's been in a bunch of things after Lost and mm-hmm. uh I mean the only thing who's who's who was the uh, main guy on Lost? What was his name? Oh man, I can't remember. I couldn't tell you. You know what I'm talking the about guy? With the shaved head? No, not the big guy. The, the big the guy with the, the shaved big Hawaiian head. Guy. Yeah, the, the Samoan. <laughs> That's not the main Hawaiian character guy. of Lost. And he, yeah, he is the main. Yeah, he's the main character. Oh yeah, of Lost. you're right. You're right. It's, so yeah. <laughs> so the guy from Lost, you know, the main, the big guy that was in Speed Racer, uh, as Racer X. 
Jeez. It was the, it was the guy, about, the, the guy with the shaved head. Tra- he was Racer X talking about Hor- Racer. You're talking about Jorge Garcia. That's who you're talking about. <laughs> who is that? Is the, that the big guy? The, big, the Hawaiian guy? The big guy. <laughs> the Hawaiian oh slash God. Hispanic guy? What is he? <laughs> are you talking about the ball? Are you talking about John Locke? Or are you talking about... No, not John, John Locke. John Locke was the old man. Is that who you're talking about, Mario? No, John Locke? No, John, or Matthew Fox? John, are you talking about Matthew Fox? Yes, 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 yes. Or Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. Oh, my Because he's on goodness. Hawaii Five-0 also. <laughs> hey, yeah, he does look like a hunk in that show. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're talking about Jorge Garcia, the big guy. Okay. Yeah, Racer X. <laughs> Speed Racer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I kind of... I, I do love the fact that this movie is basically a romance movie. It's... Mm-hmm. It's basically Rob going to get Beth against all odds. I mm-hmm. mean, if that doesn't make you, if, Beth, if that doesn't make Beth fall in love with the guy, I don't. Then nothing will. You, well, There's no you know what, Chris Hawk? I, I think Chris Poole's going to be on my side with this, but you know what? Screw Beth, okay? Because she brought another man to Rob's party, and you don't do that, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't call. He didn't call for four weeks. She. He ghosted her, okay? <laughs> Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris Poole, who, whose side are you on? Oh man! Oh, I mean, you know, I gotta say, because I, I mean, there's, I can kind of see both sides, I guess. But at the same time, like he said, he didn't call for four weeks. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess. You, what, what are you waiting for? Like, you're, oh, I'm just waiting for this monster to show up so I can the look like a hero. <laughs> Maybe Rob is behind it. You did it on purpose. Maybe. You, th- what is? I'm trying to remember what Rob's job was. Was he with the drilling company or was he with Slusho? I don't Does, even remember that. I think I think he was with drilling the drilling company because he's going to Japan. That's right. Okay. I, I that's what I think because his job his job does correlate to the monster itself. Like I re- I remember I think I remember from the viral marketing that his job is linked to Clover. It's something to do with it because he's going to Japan. He's like the vice president of something. I have no hmm. idea. I think you're creating uh, theories right now, just like I created the Super Eight ties into Cloverfield theory. <laughs> I uh, oh, I still haven't seen Super Eight. I need to get on that. Oh, it's good. It's like a it's a straight up mix of Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams fandom stuff. Uh, I gotta say though, my favorite me? character was. Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait! You haven't seen Super Eight yet? Yeah, I've told you this like a million times. I thought you have at least watched it by now. No, no, no. I, I have nowhere to. I have no way to find. Is it on Netflix? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I. I just. I never have the chance. I never have the chance. I'll let you borrow it. Okay. Cool. So, do you guys have? Did you guys want to talk about any other characters, or you just want to talk about your favorite characters? Uh, what about oh, Rob's man. brother? What's Rob's brother's uh, name? We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about Rob's brother. What, he's the guy from <laughs> Grind, the skateboard movie. He is? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that movie? No. Chris Paul, did you ever see yeah. Grind? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it was like a skateboard movie. His brother's the main character, does like some kind of super Tony Hawk spin move at the end. I don't know. But I used to love that movie <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you guys recognize he's anybody a- else like from other things? Uh, the um, only the only person that I recognized was uh, the chick that blew up after getting you yeah, know Lizzie Lizzie Kaplan is one of the main ones that blew up afterwards. She well, blew up big time. 
Yeah, well, I mean, blew up literally in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I meant, too. <laughs> but uh, I can't remember what I knew her from when I saw that. But she but looked familiar. She was, yeah, she was the only halfway recognizable face to me in that film. I, I Just on my rewatch, I noticed uh, Shades from Luke Cage was in it. Who was in it? Shades. Have you seen Luke Cage? Uh, the guy Shades that, or whatever? That douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's in the background in a couple uh, scenes. She's Weird. in uh, Freaks and Geeks, Chris. Freaks Lizzie and Kaplan. Geeks. That might be what it was. That, that was like 1999. Was. That was like 10 years before yeah. even Cloverfield. So mm-hmm. she was in Smallville, 2001 to 2003. Yeah, no, I, I remember I, that. I did not get into that. I remember those episodes. She's like, uh, I, I think she turns into other people or something. No, wait, no. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that She's might be her Blood. episode. She's an American Dad, Hot Tub Time Machine, 127 Hours. I remember she's just, that. I think like, she's one of my, she's, she's easily one of, like, in, my, in the pantheon of female actors that I love. She's up there. She, there's just something about Really? Okay. Underrated. So, 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 underrated. Definitely underrated. My goodness. Definitely underrated. All right. Interesting. And then uh, Rob's brother. I think he has the best death. One of the best deaths. I mean, getting getting crushed, man. Yeah. With a lot of people crushing you also. But he got hit first, though, because he was on the lamp. You know, that's true. He was on the- I guess that's true. So he got crushed in two people. <laughs> he- <laughs> that, I think that's one of the parts of it felt like a true monster movie. Is mm-hmm. that scene is uh, not that scene specifically, but I think that was one of them that I was like, oh, this is a, like an awesome monster movie. Because you hear the roar, too, in the background right after that, I think, when they're mm-hmm. running away. It's like you hear a noise before and after. It's just, it comes out of nowhere, too. Yeah, it's Somebody had to die, and it had to be Jason. <laughs> That's his name, Jason. You do know his name. It had to be Jason. Oh, man. I, I still think this movie holds up as a as a thriller slash horror movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call it horror, but it's it is thrilling. This movie yeah. does get me going. Like there are some parts where I was like, whoo, whoo, yeah. and uh, it had to be like the the uh, subway scene, the uh, the first time when you see the monster. It's that's some pretty like I, I remember it seeing it in the theater and how you didn't know what to expect. This is like a J.J. Abrams produced movie. J.J. Abrams, you know, he just, you know, he just was doing Lost. He's getting into sci-fi. Like, you got the new Star Trek movie coming out next year after this, too. And then you have Cloverfield, out of left field, sci-fi monster movie. I mean, we know it's a monster movie, but we didn't see anything in the previews. Like, you don't see the monster in the previews. Yeah. So, like, when you first see it, it's, 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 it leaves a, it leaves a, a like, a mark. It, it, it's just that good. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, at least for me personally, it's one of those movies that I would absolutely watch again, to, uh, even still to this day. Mario, do you did you guys want to talk about the extended universe, or are we gonna bundle this up? I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, I wanted to find out who Chris Poole's favorite character is. Oh man, uh, that's a tough one, man. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um. Man, it's probably honestly got to be T.J. Miller just because he of... he kind of keeps the movie going. 
in a way. He does. Yeah, it's like, um, but even even just like whether he's being comedic or not, it's like he just he is one of those characters where I was always just waiting for whatever he was going to say next. Yeah, and um, you know, I agree with what was said earlier about his line about it's a terrible thing. Like it was just he would said the most hilarious things in just the most nonchalant, yeah, whatever kind of way, and. I mean, it's probably it's probably him for me. Hawk, Mario, yours was yours was Jason. Yeah, it's Jason. Jason's the best. Marlena was my favorite, hands down. I didn't I didn't like the way she went, but the way she went, she went out with the bang. <laughs> oh, she didn't get I hit by no atomic bomb. I see she, what you did there. She didn't there. get hit by no atomic bomb. So did what's oh, her name? God. What's her name? Live. I I feel like she lived. The Jason's girlfriend. Lily? Yeah. Yeah, she she goes up in the first helicopter before them. So we never yeah. so she could come back. That would be dope. Mm. She could be like a resistance fighter getting revenge on the aliens cuz <laughs> all her family's dead. She teams up oh my God. with Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Oh. 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 We should talk about Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, it's uh, it's on a space station with a particle accelerator on board, which is super dumb. Just gotta say it, <laughs> but it's it's so sci-fi amazing that I'm Different. I'm instantly in because well, I heard. <laughs> imagine sorry, go ahead. Tr- that that like a particle accelerator is so precise, and you're gonna bring it into space. I'm right. T- okay. That's. I mean, I, I can I can you know lift my barriers of you know craziness. I could I could do that. Because this is this, it's amazing. No one's ever thought of it. This is something that's never been done before. I'll allow it. You know what I'm saying? It's a pretty good cast. It's yeah. You got Elizabeth Debicki, Daniel Bruhl, who's like my favorite, my favorite uh, actor. Okay. One of my favorite. You know, he was uh, Zemo. Right. And then you got Chris O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd from uh, the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. And you got David Oyelowo, Oyelowo. <laughs> I can't pronounce his last name. Oh, you got some geez. really good, really good actors and actresses in this. Um, Chris Hawk uh, will say he went away because obviously it's going to sound like I clashed two things together, but uh, we'll just say he went away to go take care of his daughter. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Cloverfield Paradox, like I just said. Um, it, we did our original thing a couple days before the Super Bowl. And then it came out that night during the Super Bowl, so we were uh, right. On we were just like me and Chris Hawk were like, "Damn it! Now we gotta readjust it and stuff." So yeah, it caught us by surprise completely. So uh, we theorized a little bit. Um, I think we were kind of wrong though, <laughs> or I was definitely wrong. Hmm. Uh, what you What do you think of the whole um, explanation of what happened? Like the the way the different dimensions or realities kind of are like clashing against each other. Uh, I actually, I I know that I know that Cloverfield paradox got a lot of really mixed reviews. I've got to say though, I fucking loved the movie. Like I, I am, I love space movies and I love space horror movies. Um, But this, this movie I thought did a really good job of not only being its own movie, but also tying the films together. And just like you're saying, you know, um, like the, the whole space event and what caused the realities to clash together. I really like how 
they came up with an event that was able to literally cause something to happen that isn't supposed to happen in all known universes. And I thought that was a really nice way to look at it. And it's very interesting, especially after you see the movie, to look back on Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. And in my opinion, at least, it's like every one of these movies is in a completely different universe. And I think that is a really interesting way to look at it because I almost feel like I did after I watched Star Wars The Last Jedi, where it's like, wait a minute, you're telling me all the theories and ideas that I had aren't right? Yeah. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> but I, you know, I thought it was really good. Um, there were, there were definitely some things in the movie that I don't think there is possible to explain, but I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that it is an unexplainable event. It's something that, you know, people in the real world have never actually experienced. And we don't know what would happen exactly if that event were to actually occur. So I thought it was done really well. Yeah, because I remember you and I were talking about it, and I had mixed feelings on how it was explained about the different worlds happening and stuff. And I went mm-hmm. back and rewatched it, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm a little more high on it now that I, mm-hmm. I rewatched it because it's, I mean, basically it's a free movie if you think about it, and right, it you just can't beat that. And I I I've, I like it more the second time I watched it because it it's uh it's really enjoyable and you catch up on things too. Like, uh, she says the dude, um, what's the dude from, uh, Selma that's in it. I forget the actor's name. I don't know if I've seen Selma before. Are you talking about Daniel Bruhl, Chris O'Dowd? Uh, um, he was like the captain or whatever. Oh, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Let me see if I can grab that real quick. But what were you going to say about him? Because uh, I totally, uh, the first time I watched it, I didn't hear the little tidbit about how they're talking about when the realities clash together that things are just kind of like not mixing well mm-hmm. or something. And you get that like with the the wall and, you know, the arm and then the chick getting stuck into the things. I guess that's what right. happened in her thing, like it crashed or whatever. What What do you mean? The, the, the chick that got stuck in the wall? Yeah. Uh, the way I saw it was that she just popped up there. Yeah. The way I saw it was that sort of the same thing that basically happened with the crew that was the main characters of the film. It's like certain things. I I saw it as holes in time and space opened up throughout all universes. And there is actually, I can't remember who put the video out. It's not one of those huge channels or anything. I don't think, but there's a guy on YouTube that put out a video where he is basically trying to explain the timeline, I guess you could say, of the Cloverfield franchise. And it deals with the whole multiverse theory and talking about how, you know, on, on one Earth, in one multiverse, you have, or on one universe, you have the, the place we saw in Cloverfield. And in another multiverse uh, or universe, you have a, an Earth that is completely populated by clovers. And the way I saw it was that basically all these holes in time and space opened up and things just swapped which universe they were in. So, for example, do you remember when this is after uh, I can't remember that Jensen, I think, was the girl's name that ended up in the wall. Yeah, Uh, she this is after she's in the film. You end up seeing a picture of the crew of the station and she's in that picture. But 
but the the I can't remember the chick's name that was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but she's not in that picture. And so it's almost like things and people just switched universes. So she ended up inside the wall on their ship because their ship ended up inside her universe. And it gets really tough to just kind of explain when you really get down. Yeah. When you really get down to it, it's hard to explain because it's kind of, like I said, inexplainable, but um, I just saw it as everything kind of shifting, which universe it was in. And my girlfriend actually even had an idea at one point where maybe the crew is dying because the universe is trying to correct itself because they don't belong there. And there's, I think that that is, there's, I think there's some, there's some weight to that theory in the sense that, you know, you remember that scene where Chris O'Dowd is in the oxygenated room and the magnetism starts happening. Yeah. And it's like, it's like that putty stuff that he put on the wall. It's literally reaching out to him. Like it wants to stop him from keeping that explosion from happening or something. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I feel like, it's just there's certain things that I feel like you have to roll with in this film because of the nature of the event. So, you know, you get people that are like, well, how is that arm sentient? How does it understand what they're saying and how does it know what they need to know? And it's like, well, you just roll with it. You know, this is an event you can't explain because nobody's ever been a part of it. Who cares how it's sentient? It's just they're at, they're at the ground zero, I guess you could say, of this event. And so they're the most affected by it. And that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, that's re- that's a uh, that's a really good point, I think. And um I think with the arm like maybe wherever he is, he knows that he lost his arm, so he maybe they came up with the whole situation too of it could have went to this other place, so he's writing, he's trying to use his nervous system or something to write from mm-hmm. memory or maybe he was writing that before it got cut off or something. Maybe. But yeah, I just felt like I remember when when my girlfriend Shay was asking, you know, how is this possible? How is that possible? I was almost just kind of like, I, you know, I can't give you an explanation. I feel like I feel like you just got to not think about it too much. But um, one of the things that actually and this kind of led me to believing in the theory that each one of these films is in a different universe. Like for for a minute, my mind was completely blown at the end of this film because if you recall, like we talked about when we, when we discussed Cloverfield, you've got at the very end, the last shot of the film when they're on that Ferris wheel and you see something fall out of the sky and land in the ocean. Yeah. And in, in the true canon of the franchise, it was, according to that Japanese company, just a satellite. And at the time that that was recorded in that universe, there were no Clovers. When when Hamilton, I think was her name, the main character in Paradox. Yeah. When she is coming down to Earth finally in in the lifeboat, she is falling down to Earth and, and my girlfriend is like, do you think that she is what you saw at the end of Cloverfield? And I was like, oh, my God, mind fucking blown. <laughs> but then it's like, if you think about it. It it almost couldn't be because at the time that that object fell, there were no clovers on Earth. And at the same time, that one was a baby clover and definitely was not tall enough to reach above the clouds. So that's what gave me the impression that there is just each. I think each one of these films, I think you have to consider this like an anthology 
almost like uh, the show Black Mirror, except they're not all on the same planet. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of where where it, it lied with me. You know, I, I was very interested. I love movies where they end and you don't exactly know what just happened until you watch it like three more times. Um, I love ambiguous endings. I, I just love that kind of stuff. And when you throw that in with space horror, it's just like, ooh, you got me. I like it. Yeah, I love that whole aspect too, the space horror. I think that uh, mm-hmm. it's cool how each one is different too. Like, and, and like you said earlier, like this one and the other two, like they stand on their own as their own movies. Yes. And uh, it's, it's really neat because they all kind of tie together in a sense, but they're all their own thing. Yeah, exactly. So like my, I remember when we were talking about Cloverfield and what the possibility of the connection was between everything. And I was talking about how well, maybe it was like John Goodman's character was saying, and maybe Clovers were sent to all the major cities, and then the aliens themselves actually show up to mop everything up. It's like, no, now I'm pretty sure that just some universes got Clovers, and some universes got aliens, and some universes got other things that we don't even know about yet. Like, for instance, uh, I don't remember if we were talking about this, but um, the next film is coming out in October, apparently. Oh, and wow. And it's going to be right now it's, it's titled overlord and the rumor mill has it taking place during world war two. And I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. Like I, I can't wait to see what's going to be happening in that. And it's just, I, I love, th- this has got to be one of my favorite sci-fi franchises just because I've never seen anything do anything quite like this before. It's crazy and where I'm, it started like with Cloverfield. Yeah. Exactly. It goes from found footage to, you know, uh, regular, regularly shot, um, like still low budget, low, low amount of people kind of underground thriller. And then now it's like, you got a lot of big names and they're in a space and it's a horror movie. Like they're, they're all over the place with this franchise and I love it. You think they'll ever go back to, uh, like a certain universe we've seen already, like, uh, this one, or they'll go back to 10 Cloverfield Lane. And, and later? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know if I could see them doing that just because we've gotten three that seem to be completely like autonomous from each other. But it would be interesting. It would almost be kind of cool. Like, I mean, like imagine if we get sort of like a, like a, like a thriller horror kind of version of Doctor Who where he's jumping around from fucked up universe to fucked up universe. And like in one, there's clovers, one, there's aliens, one, there's maybe, you know, maybe this one during World War II has like Nazi zombies or something. Who knows? Oh, that'd be, uh, uh, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But um, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do going forward because I, I thought it was interesting that Netflix got this. Um, and I, you know, a part of me was like, what made them want to go for this? But when you think about it, it's almost like, okay, well, like I heard that Netflix paid $50 million to Paramount to get the rights to this film. And wow, you, your, my first thought at least was, well, how are they going to make that money back? That's a lot to spend on a film. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, people like us, certain people out there were aware that the next Cloverfield film was coming out. Yeah. We were, we were aware that it was supposedly going to tie up all the loose ends and connect the movies. And if you've got people that are aware of that, they're going to want to see it. And if you take that out of the theaters and put it on an exclusive network, I'll bet you they got some, subscri- some subscribers just because there were people that wanted to see that movie. 
So it's it kind of makes sense. For, yeah, it's very good marketing. I mean, like I said, this franchise is just doing so many things that I think is really good. And um, I'm actually curious to see what you thought about this. Uh, I, I, I loved the cast. I thought it was a really good cast. Um, uh, Daniel Brühl is growing on me more and more every time I see him. I think the first thing I remember him from was in Glorious Bastards. And uh, Chris O'Dowd is even starting to grow on me. I'm starting to see him pop up more and more. So um, what did you think about the cast and stuff? I, I thought they all did really well. Uh, the main chick, Hamilton, or mm-hmm. you were right by her name. I looked it up, by the way. Uh, she, okay. she was really good. Like, her acting was phenomenal. Like, it, she's just on another movie, too, I saw on Netflix. I'm about to watch that one. Okay. Uh, she, I don't know, her acting, like, was so believable in a sense to the situation and uh the i kind of saw the twist coming with the blonde haired girl what was her name again uh jensen jensen uh, yeah i saw i saw that whole thing coming because she's just like stone-faced the whole time yeah uh i mean maybe for a sense i thought she might help out but i was like something fish she's gonna turn on them or something i hate her. yeah yeah there was something weird about her for sure uh, I thought the guy who played the captain, the guy from Selma, and uh, he's been in a few things recently. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty good actor. I think he's doing a movie for Amazon too, or something. But oh, okay, uh, he uh he was good. Um, the one dude from Fast and the Furious Four was pretty good. Uh, the Hispanic guy. Oh, uh, uh, uh John Ortiz. Yeah, the guy that was playing Monk. Yeah, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't get a lot of him though. Uh, right. The one dude had the worms in him. Ooh, uh, that was messed up. Like same thing. Like I, I love sci-fi and mixing horror in, in a, in a, or thriller into the, the whole sci-fi element is really cool. Right. Like I, when I fish anything for audiobooks, audio dramas, or, or, you know, if I'm, if I need to watch anything, I, I it's all sci-fi is the most interesting cause it, it's more, uh, immersive i think sometimes okay so this i really dug this and like i said the first time i thought it was i thought it was all right and i thought the explanation was thing but once you and i were kind of talking about it mm-hmm. uh personally like i i went back and rewatched it and i liked it even more yeah yeah i'm curious to see it again too not so much because there's questions that i have about it i would i mean there are a couple of things like i've heard some other theories that i'm definitely curious to see if they ever delve into a little bit like let me ask you this when we were watching it my girlfriend and i you remember the girl that uh hamilton's husband found near the destroyed building yeah so two two quick things about her uh she there's a lot of people that think that she has a connection with the monsters like the the clover monsters because I, I haven't seen this, but I think there's like an anime or, or something that is in the Cloverfield universe or maybe like a, a comic book maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, like I said, I haven't read it, but from what I've read of other people's theories, there's a character that has been used in some form or fashion that has a connection with the Clover monsters. And people were saying that that's a possibility because she's standing in the middle of this destroyed building, but she's completely okay. She's, it's like she just got there out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, another she, thing... I'm sorry? Go ahead. I was going to say that maybe she's from like another reality herself. 
The, see, that's what I was wondering too. But also, I don't know if this means anything or is anything, but there's a moment where she's in the bunker with Hamilton's husband and she's looking up at him and the camera's just looking right at her on the side of her face. And it just lingers on her for a second. And then it cuts straight to Jensen on the spaceship. And I looked over at my girlfriend and I was like, did you just get the feeling that they're the same person? And wow. she's... And she's like, yeah, there's kind of a resemblance there. And so it's all, it's like, it's like, is that just a younger version of her from that universe? Like maybe that's that universe's version of Jensen or, you know, it, it, who knows? It's just like, this is, there's so many things that could have been happening. Um, but also as far as I remember, the, the sound that drove Hamilton's husband to walk towards that building was very similar to the sound that Jensen was making when she was trapped in the wall. See, now I have to go back and watch it a third time (laughs) to uh, hear that sound because that's, that's interesting because there was a, there was a weird screaming or whatever when she was in the wall. And I just Mm -hmm. remember, I just remember hearing a little girl scream, but I'm going to have to go back and pay attention a lot uh, more, pay more attention because that's, Mm -hmm. My, it's crazy stuff. Chris Poole, you're blowing my mind. Right? And that's, that's <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't say it enough, man. I know I talked about this when we were talking about Cloverfield, but that's, that's the power of J.J. Abrams. Now, I don't know. I know he's producer on all this stuff. I don't know exactly how much input he has on, you know, take this story this direction, or yeah. these are all different universes or whatever. But you know that he's got some kind of a hand in the mysteriousness of these stories. And I, that's just, that's what I love about him, man. I love watching stuff that you just can watch five times and get a different explanation every time that just seems as likely as the last. It's so much fun. Uh, what, what, uh, just give us a, um, your overall perception of the film. And, uh, are you, and obviously you already said it, but what do you, what do you, uh, you excited for what's next? I am very excited for what's next, especially, you know, this is one of those films or franchises, I guess I should say, where especially if it is like an anthology style, like I'm thinking it is, they could really keep this going for as long as they wanted. I mean, you could have every single movie could be in a different time period with a different kind of either um, monster or maybe a paranormal event or it could be any number of things and there's so much you can do with that and this is now three movies in the franchise that i think are all good i think that i have to say 10 cloverfield lane is probably still at the top of my list pretty much solely because of john goodman like yeah god that guy was good yeah he's fantastic in that Right. But I, I mean, I will watch these movies as long as they keep coming out and as long as they keep doing something new each time and keeping me I- intrigued in what's going on. Uh, but as far as Cloverfield Paradox, I mean, if you basically for those listening out there, if you've got a Netflix account, you're already paying for what you're going to get from it anyway. You might as well check it out, especially if you love the last two movies, um, because like I said, you're already paying for it. It's there. You already have access there's a chance that you're probably not going to like it, but I think that if you go into it with an open mind and if you go into it, not expecting for everything to be handed to you on a silver platter, as far as an explanation, there's a lot of fun to be had here. And I think that goes hand in hand with the fact that they have a very unique plot line 
as well as, like I said, they seem to be growing the number of big name actors that are getting into these films. And I think that only helps to bring talent into the films themselves. So I definitely recommend it. I have to agree. I am talking about it with you. Like I, I don't really see or remember anything I had wrong with it other than the Mm -hmm. first walk, the first viewing, like I said, but right. I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but it's definitely highly enjoyable. And if, if you're into science fiction and um, all that, I think you should definitely watch it and uh, see what you think about it for real, for real. Oh, yeah. I would say if you like movies like Alien, like the first one, if you like the first Alien, yeah. or, if you, or if you like the movie Life, or if you like real creepy shit like uh, Event Horizon, you're probably going to like this movie. It's not quite on the brutal level of event of event horizon, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but it's you know it's it's that same kind of uh, paranormal kind of feeling you get from some stuff. And there are there's at least one scene like the worms right before that happened. I was like, oh, this is like alien. Something's coming out of there, and yeah. I can't remember which which scene it was, but there was one scene that reminded me a lot of the movie Life. And that movie was very, very creepy. So, I mean, if you like, if you like creepy space horror, really weird shit, you're probably going to like this movie. So, Yeah, I remember when I first watched it and I was uh, texting my girlfriend. I was like, you need to watch this movie. She's like, uh, maybe I will. I was like, no, you watch it now. And, <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, it's 5% alien, 5% this, 5% life, 5% that. And um, I was like, 50%, I have no idea. It's something new. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's the, only, perfect. the only negative I think I would have really is I just wanted more of the of them trying to figure stuff out because uh, because that was so intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. You mean like finding an explanation for why this stuff was happening or whatever? Yeah, I like to see them uh, working together more and, and mm-hmm. dealing with stuff. But I think maybe that would have been a little boring, I guess, to draw out the pacing of the movie. Uh, maybe. I can see what, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I kind of liked how they did the whole, you know, like when Jensen sees uh, Daniel Bruhl's character and she's like, oh, you know, you can't trust him. He's he's literally working against everybody. He sabotaged the ship. And then, you know, as an audience, you get that same feeling, too, because there's a couple of moments where, you know, he's been accused already by somebody on his own crew of that. And on top of that, Daniel Bruhl is usually playing some kind of a weirdo character. Yeah, um, I mean, but, but then you find out that it's like, no, that was her Daniel Bruhl in her universe. That's not this guy. And it's just very, very interesting ideas to play with. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. Send up the Avengers, that dick. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, man, I liked it. So that was uh, our little uh, take on uh, Cloverfield Paradox. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Thank you again, Chris Bull, for joining me. Uh, Chris Hawk will Thanks be back. Thanks for having me. Chris Hawk will be back in a second, taking care of his daughter. You know how it is. Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally not two different uh, time frames we've talked about it. But um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah you know. Podcast but, uh, magic. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah, but thanks for having me, man. I, I love doing it. I love uh, I love talking with you guys. There's always good conversations to be had. So we'll uh, we'll we'll get you guys on Fireside Comics as soon as we can. We'll get you on another episode for sure. Sweet, that's that's awesome. I'm excited. 
Hell yeah, dude. Oh, welcome back, Chris Hawk. It's it's definitely interesting, but I've I've all I've also heard that Cloverfield Four is already done. Also, I mean, think about this. Other than the Twilight Zone, we don't have you don't have an anthology like this mm-hmm. when it has to when it ha- other than Black Mirror and Twilight Zone. Ooh, damn you, good show. You really don't get like a sci-fi anthology series that's connected like this. It's it's pretty neat. Chris Poole. Yeah, man. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask you what you thought of uh, Black Mirror season four. Holy crap, dude! It was great. Um, that it's. I have one nitpick about the show that it hasn't quite gotten me to the point of being disappointed yet. But um, the only thing that I have to say negative about it so far is that I feel like they are relying a little bit too much on uh, uh, digital copies of consciousness for a central plot point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They've done that a few times already. (laughs) Like, like it's pretty, it's pretty cool every time they do it. Like, so the first episode of season four, the whole, uh, what space fleet episode, uh, it was a really good episode. I love, don't, don't say anything. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just saying it's a great episode. I loved it. But, um, you know, uh, it had a really good season finale. I don't, it's, I don't remember when season three came out or how often it is between seasons, but I never realized, even watching the season finales of the other seasons, that every one of these stories takes place on the same Earth in the same universe. I always thought that it was like every story was its own completely separate thing. Yeah. And then it gets to it gets to the season finale of season four, and you start to see things that are not only from season four, but also like season three and two. And I was like, what? Yeah. This is all connected? What? <laughs> My mind was blown even more than usual. <laughs> I will say so, I will say that uh, I feel like, or the one thing I do notice in season four in each episode is there's something they clip on their head. Do you notice that? Like to connect mm-hmm. with their brain. There's always th- right. that little piece that connects to their head. I feel like mm-hmm. I see it through like every episode so far. I haven't finished season yeah. four yet, but uh, I think I think uh, episode four is definitely my favorite right now. With the which one is that again? Uh, Hang the DJ. Hang the DJ. Which one? I can't remember what. That's that what one's the about. two the two people dating. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's I, right. I, I think that that's my personal favorite though. Mm-hmm. I can see that. You guys got anything else about Cloverfield? There is audio at the end of the credits somewhere right before that, mm-hmm. where you hear somebody say something, but I I can't make it out. They say something along the lines of "It's still alive." Um, yeah, they hit it with a nuke, and it's still alive. Yeah. Oh, and okay. I think you have to, the funny thing too, is I think you have to listen to that audio backwards to hear Yeah, you that. do. So it's like, you could be in the theater and it just sounds like static. And then you go home and reverse your DVD and it's like, it's still alive. You're like, what? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Not only, not only does this kaiju monster invade earth, but you also got aliens. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, go back and watch super eight Chris Paul and Look at the monster in that. It resembles the Cloverfield monster to me so much. Yeah, I can I can see it. uh, Just imagining like the head and the face. Um, The body was definitely a little bit different. I think didn't it have like four arms or something? Yeah, yeah. They were like more normal looking arms. Yeah, no, but I definitely know what you're talking about as far as in the face. So it's like uh, you're making it sound like you know 
the monster left and was like, all right, thanks kids for saving me. And then gets back home and he's like, Hey, everybody come with me to earth. We got some stuff to do. <laughs> we got to go get revenge on these earthlings. Yeah, exactly. We're going to, we're going to get revenge because they tied, they uh, locked me up and, and all that jazz. Oh my God. You know what? They do look very similar. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at them right now. But J.J. Abrams has said in numerous interviews that the alien in Super 8 has absolutely nothing to do with the monster in 2008 film Cloverfield. Uh, he's lying, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thought is, because um, Super 8 came out after Cloverfield, right? Like, by a few years? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, what I was saying earlier is one of the things that's cool about Super 8 is it's kind of a mashup of, uh, it's like an homage to the style of Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams, because uh, they both made that film, and they both apparently started playing around with Super 8 cameras when they were kids, uh, which is where that whole thing comes from. But I almost wonder if it's not just like J.J. Abrams being like, you know what? I had a monster movie. Let's just throw that face on this monster, and it'll be an homage to that part, you know? Because it's weird when you're watching it. Um, I don't remember which one of you said you hadn't seen it yet, but it's weird when you're watching it because... The story itself feels like a J.J. Abrams story, but as you're watching it, it looks like a Steven Spielberg movie, the way that it's shot almost. And it's really cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely a good movie. So when we do take twos, we really don't ask whether it's good or bad. We just ask if the movie holds up. Mm -hmm. Or if the rewatch value is there still. Yeah, does Cloverfield hold up, and is it a very watchable movie, Chris? Yes. I, I, for me, personally, yes, it is. I don't know that I own it. Well, not an, I don't know that I own a copy that I purchased, but Shh, don't tell me. if I did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good movie, though. I'd totally, I'd totally watch it again. Mario. Yeah, I, I don't think I could watch it. Like, uh, you know, like for me, I can watch like Predator or something because that's like my all time favorite movie. I can watch that uh, like any night it's on, you know, I'll turn it on. I think Cloverfield, I have to. It's like a special occasion type of movie for me. It's like a special movie night movie. Hmm. OK. I would have to agree. Uh, Cloverfield is definitely, definitely it definitely holds up. I, I believe it's it's a quality. It, there's a quality to it that that makes it look really good. It's just shot very well. Whoever right. was a cinematographer, the the action shots, the tension, it's a very well done, put together, found footage movie that you don't see a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's it does hold up. We watch ability, I would say it's, if you don't watch it all the time, it's, it's good. Because um, you can, there are some things that you can see, I guess some glimpses of the monster some tiny Easter eggs that are probably in there because JJ loves his Easter eggs. But overall, I would say Cloverfield holds up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And if you guys don't have anything else, we'll close out that uh, this podcast. Um, I actually had a question. Uh, I was curious to see, since we're talking about found footage stuff, um, what is, like, do you guys, I guess two questions. First one, do you guys get into... Um, found footage horror films ever we i think we saw all of the paranormal activities well most of them okay in theaters and then we saw the devil inside 
mm-hmm. which we, well, we saw it twice because we saw it one time and then we we did go into a theater where our friend was seeing it and we watched the end of it mm-hmm. again. When was that? Was Who that was bad. that? Derek. <laughs> oh, that's right. When he was on his date or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, me, you, and Jacob went. Yeah, we're just ruining people's dates. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's the only thing that, off the top of my head that I can think about of found footage horror. I, uh, found footage horror is fun. Um, I think it worked with the first paranormal activity because absolutely because uh, I remember when I when I first saw it I didn't know if it, if it was like uh, if some of it was real or or how fabricated it was or how they did it I was so fascinated with it when I first saw it I was legit scared like I I, I was so scared I was laughing it was uh, oh my god <laughs> I remember that I was like oh my god that movie so that that movie I think that movie actually gave me nightmares. Oh wow! No, I wouldn't say nightmares, but that got me shook. Well, it's weird because right, right. like I was, I did sleep with the light on for like a good day or so. Damn! I saw that, and then the same night I saw the fourth kind. So I was like, well, aliens, oh, ghosts, man. aliens, ghosts, and uh, other than that, I, I think it hit its stride there. I, 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 Paranormal Activity Two was all right. Uh, anything else after that, I feel like it, it didn't really work they tried to get they got too cheesy and too hollywood with it you know jump scares mm-hmm. and stuff like that i mean blair the first blair witch was awesome too i mean I, I think that's one where people were confused when they first saw it they're like was this real what's going on right yeah because I, I don't think there had been found footage uh at least in any kind of a mainstream uh, yeah. format before then what about you well, Chris? Um, i i there was a time maybe like a year and a half or so ago where I, for some reason, just was going through Netflix trying to find every found footage horror <laughs> film I could. And He's on a tear. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know why. It's just like I was like, man, because like I like the, I really like the idea of found footage films. Um, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed that you don't see them all that much anymore. Um, but it has to be. It has to have some things for it to work for me, because for me, found footage films are one of the one of the hardest things for me personally to suspend my disbelief. Um, not really in the supernatural stuff, and this is going to sound a little bit weird. One of the things that really bugs me with certain found footage films is when they don't give any kind of a reason, especially a good one, why anyone is running around with a camera while this crap is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to ask you guys. How long would you have kept on that camera if Cloverfield actually happened? Like, how long hey, would you be holding on to that camera? Two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. He, got, he said, you got, you got to film this. People are going to want to know. Yeah, <laughs> He right. says that on the bridge or think... something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. But no, I, my life first, camera second. That camera yeah. would have been in the drink. Right? <laughs> I would have thrown that thing over the bridge. What was the cop, but, what was uh, the cop one? I hate to interrupt you again, but... Oh, no, oh, you're good. Uh, you're thinking about End of Watch. End of Watch, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, one of the things I was going to say, uh, as far as me binging on found footage horror films, uh, there was actually one that I saw on Netflix uh, called Grave Encounters that... Yeah, the parody one? What do you mean? No, it's it's not a, it's not a comedy or anything. It's... Um, Wait, what do you mean by parody exactly? I guess I should ask. Is that the is that the one that's uh, kind of like a parody off of the 
the haunted TV shows where they go to the buildings and stuff? Is that that yeah, one? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, basically, it's like it's a it's a crew that works on one of those shows, and none of them believe oh, ghost in hunters. In, yeah, ghost hunters. Right, and but the, <laughs> but in this movie, it's like none of the crew actually believes what their show is. They're just putting on a show. And it's basically until they meet the actual thing. Yes, exactly. And it's all super cliche. Um, you know, they go to stay overnight. They they basically go around uh, to quote unquote haunted places and stay there overnight and film everything and then make a show of it. And they get to this asylum, of course, and <laughs> you know, madness ensues very quickly. But one of the one of the cool things about it is that it actually gives a reason why they have the camera on. And it's not because they want to, it's because they actually have to. There's, um, without going into any details about what the movie is, because I don't want to spoil anything, um, circumstances become such that there is no possible way for them to get light inside the building. And so they have to use the camera because of the light on the front of it. And, oh, gosh. Right. And so you see everything in this film through night vision as if you're having to use your camera and look through it to see stuff. And I was like, all right, you've gotten, you've gotten over my, my disbelief hurdle. Now what you got? And it was actually turned out to be a pretty fun movie. I thought the second one sucks balls. Don't ever watch that. But but the first one, I, it's definitely worth a watch if you're into the found footage stuff. And, um, just one last thought, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Chronicle, I love the movie Chronicle because again, I feel like that gives a good reason why this particular character is carrying around this camera during all this stuff. And on top of that, I just loved that it was it that that was probably the closest, I believe, to a live action Akira that we'll ever get in America. In America. It's America. <laughs> American Akira. Chris, you yeah, like yeah. that movie? I love Chronicle. It was really it was good. It was amazing. That's uh that's our good old Harry Osborne in that movie, Mario. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember, I remember that Man of Steel hadn't come out when I saw Chronicle, um, and when it gets to the end fight in downtown Seattle, and everything's going through buildings and all this stuff, I was like, I was like, this is the kind of crap that Superman needs to be doing in his movie. That's what I want to see to get excited. And were you excited about Man of Steel? Man of Steel is my a number one favorite film in the DC Cinematic Universe to this date. Better than Wonder Woman? It is uh, very. It, they're pretty neck and neck, but Man of Steel um, holds a bigger place in my heart just because I've been more involved with his stories throughout my life than I was with Wonder Woman, especially as a younger kid. Christopher Reeve movies, dude, all the time. Come on. I know Mario's favorite movie is uh, Man of Steel. Also, <laughs> there was a uh, I didn't really like it when it when it came out, and there was this running joke where they would buy it for me for Christmas, like every year or something or for my birthday. They'd buy me like multiple copies. It was pretty hilarious. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. But uh, but yeah, man. That's that's the last couple of thoughts I had on found footage stuff. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about the horror genre. Awesome. Mario, where uh, where can you find us? Uh, well, first I just want to uh, thank Chris Poole for uh, being on the episode again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would like him to mention first, since he's our guest, uh, where to find him in Fireside Comics. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it, and it's always a lot of fun. I think this is actually the first time that we have. Uh, well, you guys were live with me on my episode, uh, as far as. Um, 
you know, all recording at the same time. And this is the first time I've done that on your guys' show. So it's been a lot of fun. And as far as Fireside Comics, uh, my podcast is all about uh, anything you ever wanted to know about comic books, adaptations, and uh, general nerd culture stuff. And um, we are found on uh, a lot of the uh, podcast platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play. Um, We are actually also now on YouTube as of the last couple of days. So definitely give us a check out on there if you can, because we have a little bit different content that appears on YouTube. Um, yeah, I was, about to, I was that, about to ask you about that. Um, we're bringing back our news bits section. So, for instance, when the when the news broke that Disney had bought Marvel, or I'm sorry, had bought um, uh, Fox basically and got all their characters back, um, had I been on YouTube at that time, uh, there probably would have been an episode about that whole deal. But we're like just gonna... a full-on episode, because that, like an episode, episode. I You're think having an episode. I think they did do an episode. Put it in on an episode. It. Yeah, I actually did do, uh, and it was too big of a thing to not do an episode on. But um, you know, YouTube would basically have that exact same kind of thing, um, just with like some video to go along with it, basically. Um, and the idea is that these are all bite-sized, so um, I'm gonna try to get it to where none of our videos are really any longer than about 10 to 15 minutes. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Because other than that, um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at Fireside Comics. Just joined Instagram a day or two ago. And there's tons of ways to get a hold of us. So hit us up. Check us out. Definitely check out Fireside Comics. They, they got, like, this cool thing they do, too, where they do, like, a character profile of the comic book mm-hmm. before the comic book movie comes out. They got mm-hmm. Gold, Gold Bloom, uh, Goldblum's Rumors, which I really dig. And you s- and make sure you get the chance to talk to uh, the real life Goldblum. Oh my God! You when, better uh, you, you got go to Dallas Comic Con. You got to record that. <laughs> oh no no no! I, I definitely am because like uh, my friend hit me up today uh, and he was like he sent me this picture from I think it was Instagram and it was this little ad saying that Goldblum was gonna be there and it's like what? And you know my first thought was like because I had already been planning now that we're on YouTube I was planning on going to Comic Con this year in Dallas and basically recording what's happening there, try to talk to some people, uh, see if I can get some interviews or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, if I can get a conversation with Jeff Goldblum and just just ask him to check out the show or even ask him what he thinks of our segment, Goldblum's Rumors. <laughs> but I just want to talk to that man, dude. I just want to, I want to yeah. see what he's all about in real life. He's such a um, very eccentric, I guess you could say. Very... Mm-hmm. He's he's out there, but not out there. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's he's a he's a he's, <laughs> he's, he's Goldblum. Yeah, he's, he's Goldblum. Goldblum. He's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. This is gonna be a lot of exciting things happening this year. Uh, on you know, it just everywhere you look. So I'm super excited about everything that's happening. But uh, again, thanks for being on. Uh, mm-hmm. You can. You can find Cinema Seven on same same thing, uh, except not YouTube. Um, we we want to do YouTube, but there's a lot of what things with what? that. What we on Twitch? We y'all. are we are on Twitch. <laughs> we're gonna start. We on Twitch. We're gonna start streaming uh, when we play games and stuff together. We're gonna start streaming that. So oh, that's that, awesome. That's, that's gonna be pretty fun. Uh, our gaming moments and you know me getting mad sometimes and uh, <laughs> Chris Hawk calling us fuckers when we <laughs> die. <laughs> so uh, y'all just y'all just need some teamwork yeah. in your life. But what happened, I just started this game called Lost Odyssey. It's a 2008 game. 
And apparently it's over 100 hours of gameplay in that game. Wow. So I'm going to be streaming the entire thing. Jeez. Oh, that's going to be awesome. But yeah, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you can find us on there at Cinema7 underscore podcast. Uh, on Facebook, it's just Cinema7. Uh, the number 7, E-V-E-N, is how we spell 7. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. So if you listen to Fireside Comics or Cinema 7 on iTunes, definitely give both of us a five-star rating and a, a review, some feedback that would help uh, both podcasts out. Yes. Uh, Most importantly, hit that subscribe button. Exactly. You have uh, episodes download right to your your uh, device of choice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what's up. And uh, what else, Chris Hawk? Uh, Audible, we are audible.com. You can get a oh, that's free right. trial if if you do. Are we still doing it? www.audible.com slash trial C7 pod. You totally screwed. Right? No, you screwed that up. You always screw that up. But it's uh, <laughs> audible, audibletrial.com slash C7 pod, and you get a free uh, audio. You get a free membership to or three 30-day trial to uh, I screwed it up, too. Uh, to Audible. Free book. <laughs> to Audible. Here, here, let me give it a try. Let me give it a try. Go ahead. Go to Audible. Look for Cinema 7. Get some stuff. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, jeez. So, as always, from us at Cinema 7 and Fireside Comics, we want to thank you always for watching with us. We want to thank you for listening with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us.
Oh yeah, of course I have a Captain America shield. Why wouldn't I have a Captain America shield? 